for today comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Yes. It is great to see you. Second Sunday of 2016. And um, I am going to today talk about, it's the same passage. We're going to go look at this passage again next week. And at the, at the beginning of the year, I like to give messages on, on what we stand for. This is, so this series, it's not a long series, but um, it's called New Hope Vision 2016. Uh, it's just a refresher in 2016 of the most important things that we stand for. Last week, um, I preached from this passage about the gospel. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And we are all about the gospel. And if you would go to your bulletin, if you take a quick look at your bulletin, at the top we have a, a little special summary, a summary tagline of what we stand for. We are a Jesus-centered family crossing generations and cultures, and last week when I talked about the gospel, that's all about what it means that we are centered in Jesus Christ. The gospel is an announcement of news of how God has come to change us and bring us redemption through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus, who is the Messiah. Sometimes people think Christ means, it's not His name, it's His title. Christ is just another word for Messiah, which means Redeemer. Um, and that's what I talked about last week. We're all about how we are built upon Him and what He has done for us. Today, I want to talk about community, and it says we are the Jesus-centered family. Family is a form of community, and today we're living in, in, in a time when um, there's a deep longing and actually tremendous lack of community. Uh, a lot of brokenness in community in every, almost every kind of way. And, uh, and today... I want to talk about community in a message called Gospel, Powered Belonging, and Community. Um, I'll do this in three parts. Part one, identity, formation, and community. Identity, formation, and community. Part two, the problem of inclusion and exclusion. When we're talking about community, we want to know who's included in this group of people that we call our community, but then that also means who doesn't belong. There's also an issue of exclusion. Our society is very much wrestling with questions of inclusion and exclusion. And I want to talk a bit about that today in part two. And then part three, belonging. Belonging to God's family through the power of God. There's a power of God through the gospel. That's what it says here. There's a power of God for salvation. But there's a power of God for belonging to the family of God. And I'll talk about that in part three. Um, Part one. Identity formation and community. Um, let, let, me, let me just start a little bit this way. Uh, I, I kind of rambled about this in that last service, but I, I want to be a little bit tighter in this service. Do um, you know that we all believe in America in a, a very big lie? It is such, it is so pervasive, it is so everyday, and, it, and, and it's in, I don't, I don't know, it's just in everything about the way we do things. It's really strange. Um, that lie is that you belong to yourself and you can build your own identity. 
We believe in that. We absolutely believe in that. You don't have to believe it. Don't, you don't, think, don't, don't you feel that? You don't wake up in the morning and say, I belong to myself. You just feel it. You just feel that that's true. <laughs> and if anybody else wants to make a claim upon yourself, as if like you have some belonging to them, and then that they, you kind of owe them, we resent it. We just don't like it. <laughs> because we already have this prior belief that I belong to myself, and I get to build my own identity. Um. I don't know if you know this, the word identity, just identity, all it simply means is who am I or who are you? That's all we're talking about. Identity is a very deep problem in American culture today. And it stems actually from this issue, this idea, this prior commitment that we had. I belong to myself and I get to build and choose and build up my identity. Um, I don't know if you know this, but nobody has ever believed this. Everybody in the world knows that who you are and your identity, you know where it comes from? It flows out of community. Nobody gets to make their own identity themselves. You receive your identity through communities that you belong to. Community gets to shape who you are and make who you are. And apart from community, you don't know who you are. One of the reasons why we don't know who we are and why we have a deep identity problem is because we don't know who we belong to. We don't, we don't know how to take community seriously and belong to a community, participate in that community, do our part in that community, and let that community really belong to that community and shape us. Um, uh, most of you know, you know, a lot of you who are regulars in my church, you know my children. Um, so just to, just to take a, a, a very easy and simple illustration about this, um, my son, his name is Hudson. Hudson, one of the key identity factors, one of the factors that makes him who he is, is that he belongs to a community, and that's the community of the Park family. He didn't just say, I get to choose about this. I mean, in in a sense, he does kind of get to choose. At some point in his life, if he and I were to get into a really bad fight, because fathers and sons do, he might say, I hate my dad, <laughs> I hate my dad, and I'm not a part of this family anymore, and he decides to move far away. I mean, let's say he moves to the other side of the world, he lives 10,000 miles away, because he wants to get away as far away from our family as possible, and he just starts to deny, let's say he even changes his name, he stops being Hudson Park, he, he, he makes himself Hudson Jones, right? And, uh, and, and, he, and he just completely decides, that's it. I don't belong to this, this community anymore. Um, but actually, his identity would just be broken. Um, every time it's his birthday, he's going to remember all the birthday parties and the fact that his sister's not there, I'm not there, his mom's not there. Every time it's my birthday, it's not even his birthday, it's my birthday, and he knows my birthday. Every time it's my birthday, he's going to go, oh, it's dad's birthday. Oh, he's not my dad. (laughs) Oh, wait a second, it's dad's birthday. Hmm? And then every Thanksgiving, can you imagine? Every Thanksgiving, every Thanksgiving, he's going to remind that he's broken. Every Christmas, he's going to be reminded he's broken. Every New Year, he's going to remind that he's broken. So just because he says... uh, he, he has his identity, and he's decided he's going to deny the community, the community. I know it sounds very strange to call a family a community, but that's really what it is. 
A family is an absolutely fundamental portion of community that makes you who you are. And, he, and if we decide we can just cast this off by my choice because I belong only to myself, but actually he belongs to us. He belongs to me. He belongs to Grace. He belongs to his sisters. He belongs to us. And this is where he finds his belonging. We don't own him because nobody owns another person. Well, except God, in a sense. That's our ultimate belonging. But he belongs. And that means he has a stake. He has a part with us. That means we have a stake in him. That means he owes us. (laughs) That means um, he has parts in all these things. Um, For those of you who aren't in my family... um, you know that uh, he, he knows where to eat. And when he shows up for dinner, he knows that he's supposed to go uh, get the silverware and the napkins and get the water. And if I show up at the table and go, hey, where's the water? He goes, oh, sorry, sorry, Dad. Because <laughs> he knows there's something wrong. He didn't do his part of his belonging in the family. Now, most of you, if you come to our house for dinner, you'll be a guest. And uh, when my son comes to dinner, he just shows up. You know, he sets out the silverware. He knows where they are. But if you come to our house, a number of you, you'll probably feel like, I'm a guest. Maybe I should bring something. (laughs) uh, Maybe you'll bring a a little dessert. Or you'll sit there and then you pay attention. attention. I mean, you don't actually think about this, but you you begin to just do this because you realize, I don't don't belong to this community called the, the Park family. I'm a guest here. And so when they do dinner, I have to pay attention to things like how they use their silverware and, um, and uh, where the napkin is and things like this. So you, 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 know, you don't want to offend and you want to uh, you honor um, uh, us as, uh, as your hosts and you as our guests. So that's what you do. But you don't belong to that community. <laughs> See? Some of you are saying, Pastor... Um, you're a preacher. As a preacher, you're supposed to expound God's word. And in this verse, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I don't hear anything about community, Pastor. Um, it's there. It's there. It's absolutely there. It's there in this very odd way. It says in this very strange portion in the verse that most people don't typically pay attention to, um, a number of you may know the, the first portion of the verse, but typically people don't pay attention to the second part, which is to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is it saying there? There's no individual that just belongs to himself, and then he met Jesus. I believe in Jesus through the gospel, and now it's just me and Jesus, and I'm saved because I believe in the gospel, and now I have the power of salvation for God because to, to, you know, I, I have faith in that. Well, that's the first part. Most Americans love that first verse, portion of the verse, and we are all rugged individualists. We in America think that we belong to ourselves, but every other country and culture in the world, they know nobody belongs to themselves. They belong to a community. And some community, and it's actually multiple communities, the community gets to shape you. This this group of people makes you who you are, and apart from them, you're actually just broken. So let me say this. Um, if you don't really belong to a community, and I'm not talking about in just some kind of like nominal way that's just some like idea. 
For instance, you could say, I belong to the 24-hour fitness community. I mean, yeah, but you, know, you gave them money, and then most of the time you don't even go. And it's not really much of a community. It's just, it's just you by yourself you know, on a treadmill. That's not really much of a community, is it? And there's no, it's not really a community. It's just, it's just money to get a service. But if, you don't, if you're not really part of a community and who you are and belong, then um, I'm not saying this in any way to mean you're a broken person. You would be like my son, 10,000 miles away from his family, and he'd feel that brokenness. Then he'd get married, then he'd have a son, and then his son would say, what's your father like? And there we go, brokenness. There is no such thing as an individual that is not a part of a community. And God doesn't just redeem individuals, he redeems a community. So that's why it says in the passage, for all who believe in the gospel, there is a power of God for salvation to the Jew first and then to the Greek. Because God's family, we call it the church, isn't just Jews and Greeks, it's a movement. We're going to talk more about that next week. Multi-ethnic from Jew to Greek, and there's no one culture that can define God's family. But what God's community, let's call it the, the God's family that shapes us, will move, will begin to shape not just an individual person, but get to shape his whole Jewishness. If a, a person is a Jew and says, this set of people called Jews has made me partly who I am. I mean, I can't know who the heck I am. I mean... Um, my son doesn't even like kimchi, <laughs> but uh, apart from being Korean and American, because he's very American, <laughs> he really wouldn't know who he is. He has a stake in that community. And salvation is going to... Sh- God doesn't only just shape individuals. He doesn't just pull individuals out of lostness. Really what he does is he's going to heal the whole community that shapes who they are. First the Jews, then the Greeks. And that movement is going on. Then, then uh, you know, today we're talking, in our church, if you're new to our church, our church, we have a mission to Paiute Native Americans on the other side of the mountains, on the other side of the Sierra Nevada. I, I could read this verse too, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God for everyone who believes, Asian Americans in San Jose, to Paiutes in Bishop, that's the name of the town, where the reservation is next to, you can say it that way. And so, um, there is no identity of who you are unless it's shaped out of the community. And, um, but this is it's a real hard issue for us because deep down we really want to be, we want to form it ourselves, and just, I just get to pick and choose. Um, my son, getting back to my son, I mean, he's a part of this community called the Park Family. He's a part of a community called Our Church. Um, he, he plays, I don't know if you know that he plays baseball, for instance. Baseball is an activity. Um, for some people, baseball is an activity. But for some people, they join this team, play this sport, and then being a baseball player becomes their identity. It's different. Say, so this is how we like to operate. We like to do certain activities in our life, and this activity is, we don't actually say it this way. We don't say this is my identity, but actually this is what it starts. We start in our heart, somewhere in our heart, we start to place an incredible piece of, um, 
of importance to this activity and says, this is who I am. And guess what? It's a part of a community. Hudson's a part of this team. He's a part of the league, and they play baseball. And if, he, and if, he, if they just kick him out, guess what? He's <laughs> not much of a baseball player. It's hard to be a baseball player if, if you're not part of the league, if you're not part of the team. They're part of that community. What happens if Hudson really loves baseball, and then he blows his elbow out? If it's his activity, he'll just go, okay, I'll be sad. Maybe I can rehab my elbow, and then I can get back to my activity. But what happens if it's your identity? He says, this is who I am. If you blow your elbow out, that team will know, well, you can't throw the ball anymore. You can't play. I guess you can't really be on our team. And then you're not in that community anymore. And then guys who are not in that community anymore, and they made this their identity, you know what they start to think? That I'm nothing. (laughs) That I'm nothing. And this happens. This happens right at the highest level. Professional athletes retire or they blow out their elbow or their knee and then they retire. And then they think, I'm apart from their community, they start to feel like I'm nothing. And this is why so many retired athletes, you can see them on TV, they have whole, like, we're going to see this in the Super Bowl, there's going to be three hours or six hours or some ridiculous number, and every week before a football game, there's a 30-minute or a one-hour program, and then who are all the guys hosting the program? They're all ex-athletes. <laughs> They're all ex-athletes and coaches. Um, and I hope that they don't see it as their identity. Community makes us who we are. And if you want to figure out who you are, you have to know where you belong. And take that seriously and really embrace it. Embrace that community and let them come into your life. Other people get to shape who you are. And if you're just saying, it's just me, you're going to break yourself. You're going to break yourself. And it's happening. I see all around, all around. People who don't know how to be parts of community in all kinds of different ways. Um, So uh, let's just stop there. That's part one. Identity formation and community. Part two. Um, the pro- there's a problem of inclusion and exclusion. In our society, we have this longing, this deep longing for community. And I, I notice, especially with younger people in our society, um, the, the millennials in our society, and so, you know, who's a millennial? Uh, I don't know, roughly, those people are 32, 33 years old and younger. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a rough measure. If you're probably 25 you're, you're probably not ex-gen. You could possibly be something like a millennial, even though you're 35, but we're talking around that age and younger. I've noticed that millennials, um, they have this, they, they have this they, they, you can hear this coming. up. It comes up again and again. There's a longing for, and I've, I've even heard, I'm talking to young people, they actually say it this way, authentic community. And they want to belong to something that's worthy of their life, that matters. And this, is, this will shape me. And, but I've noticed a lot of young people today, and it's not just young people, all of us, we don't want to take seriously what it means to be included. So when we're part of a community, we're really bad at community. <laughs> because we believe in the lie that I mentioned to you at the, in early in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the message, because we believe in that lie, we really feel that lie, we're constantly going to our own self and then judging everybody on whether it's useful to me. And so we're really bad at community. 
And then we, we are always, but we have this kind of this touchy-feely, this very idea that everybody's supposed to be included, and then we get upset when people are excluded. But um, on, on one sense, all communities both include and exclude. They have to. So just, just to, to give you this, let me give you this illustration. If, so my son wants to play baseball, right? So let's say he joins uh, the Little League, and then they put him on a team, and then he shows up with the helmet on his head and shoulder pads, <laughs> and then they go out in the field, and then um, right after the guy on the little hill throws a small sphere, uh, he showed up with his oblong sphere, his oblong thing, and then, and then goes up to the guy on the little hill and then tackles him. <laughs> what if we were to do that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be just weird? And then, and then they said, hey, stop this. Stop this. This is the baseball community. Of course, that's not the word they use. They call it, this is our team. This is baseball, man. And if you want to belong to us, you want to belong, we're here to play baseball. And he goes, no, 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 no. He's, he's like saying, no. This, is, this just doesn't work for me, man. He's like, but I like the uniform. I like the uniform. And, uh, you, you know, a couple, of my, a couple of my friends are here. And so he shows up, keeps showing up with the helmet. And he keeps showing up with the oblong ball. He works out. I mean, he really loves the other thing. So he works out, and he, his neck starts to get really beefy. You know, and, he, and he, he gets himself, I mean, let's say he's older now. I mean, it's hard to imagine my son being, you know, weighing. Let's say he gets up to like 250. That's really hard to imagine, quite frankly. Uh, but, I mean, you know, this, I'm just being silly here to give you this. But let's say he, he gets up to like 275, all, he's like almost all muscle. And then every time he gets out there, you know, he, he tackles guys. There are rules. <laughs> There's expectations. There's the way the beauty and the glory of baseball, the community is built upon something beautiful. You don't build a community around just, just, just something stupid. And so, and worthless, there's something beautiful and worthy in baseball, and it has expectations and rules and things that make the beauty come out for everybody. In fact, um, I don't know if the number, there are people who aren't even baseball fans, and they will spend money to go eat hot dogs and spend a lot of money to sit in a seat and watch a game that they don't even understand, because that's how beautiful it is. That's, that's my daughter, for instance. <laughs> I mean, she doesn't spend the money. I spend the money. But she, if I ask her, would you like to go, she always says yes. It's really weird. She doesn't even really pay attention, but she's there. She's a part of the glory. The glory, the glory of it all, right? But, um, but imagine if someone showed up to the community and, uh, you know, t- today it happens. If someone jumps onto the field and runs across the field, you know what happens? they'll arrest you, and they'll kick you out of there. Then they exclude you because you are ruining the glory of the community, of what the community is about. So, in one sense, exclusion, there's no, there's no sin or evil a part of uh, exclusion. Just exclusion needs to happen so you can actually have real community itself. Every real community has to figure out who really belongs and is included and who doesn't. Otherwise, you just can't even have community at all. But um, let's talk about something a little bit more difficult. Um, in, in America, uh, just in the, as individuals, we, we don't even know how to take community seriously. 
And then we don't even take the rules and the expectations seriously. And then we demand that people follow our rules and our expectations. And then we judge them angrily when they don't. And then we exclude, and then sometimes we exclude rightly, but oftentimes we exclude unrighteously, without honor. And people can feel this, and they see this. And here in America, we have deep problems about inclusion and exclusion. To give you a little bit more painful um, example, this past week, John, Har, and, and Pastor Young, and I, uh, the three of us, we, we, we regularly like to do this. We got together, um, we get together to share what the Lord is saying to us. I mean, I, I said a while back to you, you know, leaders are supposed to know Jesus the King and head of the church. We're supposed to at least hear from him, right? So we share our devotions and how the Lord is working in our lives, and then we begin to seek unity together. We did some McDonald's, Okay. Um, so we were meeting at McDonald's on, I think it was Friday morning. And um, as one of my brothers was talking, I got distracted. There was a TV. Normally I don't pay attention to the TV. But it had a picture of a, of a, of a young black man coming up to a, a police car. And it said, Philadelphia, there were shootings where they were coming up. I mean, planned shootings to kill cops in Philadelphia. And I couldn't help but at least try to pay attention to that because I lived in Philadelphia more than seven years. I have a, I have a, a real love for that city. Um, if you have ever been there, um, and you've seen, maybe some of you have been to places like this, if you grew up here in the Bay Area or here from the West Coast, you might not really quite know quite what it's, it's like this. When we moved up to Philadelphia, I, I saw things that really shocked me. Um, there's, uh, there are streets I'm not making this up. There's a street. This side of the street, this, is a, this street is the Philadelphia city limit. This side of the street, it's Philadelphia. It's mostly poor, and most, almost all the people who live over here are black. This side of the street, it's not Philadelphia, it's the next suburb out. It's the immediate first suburb. The street looks different. <laughs> I mean, uh, the socioeconomic, just by looking at it, it's obvious that it's different. And a lot of the people here are, are white. In fact, almost all of them. It's shocking. It's like that stark of a difference. You hear these things. Well, isn't that like, like wasn't that what it was like in the 1950s pasture with segregation and Jim Crow and all that stuff? That we're talking today. <laughs> today, not in the South. In Philadelphia, one of the major East Coast cities in America. It's, a, it's, it's an important city. With uh, that whole, the metropolitan area of Philadelphia has more than 5 million people. It's probably on par with the whole Bay Area. The Bay Area has like, what, 5, 6 million people. The whole greater Philadelphia area, which they call the Delaware Valley, is about the same. And I, that just grieved me so much to see that piece of news. Um, another thing that I heard in the news today, I got an email there is a, a conference. There's a, a, there's a famous Christian ministry out to colleges called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Have any of you ever heard of it? Um, I was a member of InterVarsity for four years when I was an undergraduate um, in college. And so I have a fondness for InterVarsity, and I'm very grateful to them. And InterVarsity, every three years, runs a very important missions conference 
which literally people around the world fly into. And it's, at Ur it's called Urbana because it's in Urbana, um, Urbana, Champaign, Illinois. Um, so it's this little town in the middle of Illinois. And um, once every three years, thousands of students from around the country and even around the world will come to this town and they'll share all the different things that God is doing to reach people. And um, there was a, a speaker at this, uh, at the recent Urbana, just, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and um, it was her name, look at this right, it's Michelle Higgins. And Michelle Higgins gave a talk, which was highly controversial. She's um, a, a young black woman, and in that talk, she talked about her support for this movement in America called Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter is highly critical of the way, uh, of, of the way social justice and criminal justice is done in America, especially policing. And so they're highly controversial because many people see Black Lives Matter as really the kind of the, the, the ideological movement which is inflaming this anger where people are coming out to shoot police. Sometimes they're, they're black, too. The cops are black. I don't fully know what everything Black Lives Matter teaches. I, I don't know, all right? Um, I'll say this. If, uh, if what they say in some way inflames or supports the shooting of police officers, that's just plain evil. And that's against God. God is a God of law. And the Bible repeatedly talks about honoring our governing authorities, and this including, by the way, including when they're unjust. That's incredible. Now, oftentimes the Bible tells you to honor these emperors, and the emperors are killing the Christians. The Christians are ordered to honor the emperor, even though the emperors are killing us. So even they're unjust. So if that movement is in some ways supporting that, that's wicked. But I'll say this. White flight is real. <laughs> white flight is real. And it's, it wasn't something from 50 years ago. It happens today. And the neighborhoods where almost everybody's white, the services and the way the policing and all this goes one way. And then in this other neighborhood where, you know, all the skin color is different, it goes another way. Now, it's a, there's a lot of layers of complexity to this. Sometimes it's culture. <laughs> But I also can't help but think sometimes, yes, it's race. Because none of us, even if we all think we're not racist, we can't help but look at a person, look at their skin color, and then just judge them. <laughs> and have expectations and stereotypes about them. Um, you know, we do it here in our city too. We really are bad at community. And it's at every single level in our society. We don't know how to do our towns. We don't know how to do citizenship. We don't have peace in our towns. We don't have unity in our universities. We, um, we can't even do marriage, because that's a form of community, too. It's a community of two. But, hey, I get to form my identity on my own, and so what we tend to think is that other person is supposed to fit into my agenda, that's really what we're doing. The pride of my agenda. We don't know how to take that community seriously. We don't know how to take its, its standards seriously, its expectations. 
submit to them, repent of our sins, because we all sin against our communities, whether it's marriage, family, our neighbors, and citizens. We don't know how to walk in righteousness and forgiveness and unity to build community so human beings could flourish. And if community is utterly in trouble, and it is in America, then people are in trouble. I said at the beginning of my message, if my son opts to break the fundamental community which shapes him, which is called his family, um, he'll become a broken person. America is filled with 300 million plus people who all are dealing with the lie that I get to build my own identity, pick and choose my community, which is not true. We don't take our commitment seriously. We don't, take, we don't have righteousness with the way we handle community. We don't even take community seriously. We don't even know that there's a righteousness and a sense of standard. I, mean, we don't, I know we don't use that word. But there's a righteous way to be a baseball team member. You know that? Do you know that? I have conversations with my son. Who's a good team member? Who's a good team member versus who's a bad team member? That's a righteousness standard. And he goes, well, that kid's not that good at baseball, but man, he really tries. He comes to every practice. He pays attention to the coach. I was like, oh, he's a good team member, right? Righteousness standard. And we don't know how to do this. Um, Let me go to the final portion of my message. There's a belonging. And that's we all need to belong. There's a huge downside to the American individualistic, I get to just choose my own identity. That downside is being alone. That's a downside. If you know, if you don't belong to anyone else, you're alone. You're by yourself. And if you're alone, you're broken. No human being was ever meant to be this alone. Even at the beginning of Genesis, before there was no sin, God said, it is not good that Adam is alone. And then he, you know what he did? Then he made a woman for him, and he created a fundamental bond of community. That's what he did. To conclude my message, um, how do we go back to belonging and community? There is an answer here in the Bible. Um, an answer which is really odd. Everybody knows if you're going to belong to a baseball team that you have to put on the right uniform and you've got to practice throwing and catching and you have to listen to your coach. You've got to show up to practices. These are all the right pieces to take it seriously. You have to be committed to this thing. Baseball is a hard game. If you don't have any commitment, you're not going to get, you're not going to get any good at playing because it's hard to hit a baseball when somebody's throwing it really hard. It's hard to catch it and just scoop it up and get to the right person when the other guy's running to the bases as fast as possible. It's hard to do these things. There needs to be commitment to these things. And so everybody knows there must be works. There must be discipline. There must be obedience to a coach. There has to be all these things. But actually, this is really amazing. What it says in the scriptures is, for in it, that is the gospel, there's a righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, 
the righteous shall live by faith. When the millennials talk about community, and they were talking about authentic community, you know what I think they mean? They want people who take community with seriousness and bring righteousness and commitment and treating other people with honor and respect. And we have this wonderful sense of unity. That's what they, I think that's what they're saying. I mean, they don't, they don't use words like righteousness. And of course, they don't say the word commitment because as soon as they say a commitment, because they're like, oh, if I say commitment, then I guess I have to be committed and I don't want to be committed. They just want somebody to build the community so they can show up to it. <laughs> but they don't want to do all the hard parts of it. Sorry, millennials, if I'm being mean to you guys, but hey, if the shoe fits. <laughs> and of course, it's not just the millennials. The X-Gen, the boomers, we are, we're, they're just a little bit more like this but all of us are like this. Um, it's the righteousness. But some people, this is amazing. Some people know you've got to have the righteousness. So then they show up and they, they practice and they show up on time and they do everything right. And then what do they do? All the people who are a little not as good at it, they condemn them. They then start to push them out and say no. But in the gospel, there is a salvation, a power of God for salvation. And how can there be a real salvation if whole communities are not made whole? If people cannot come together and be made whole in a community? Heaven is the most glorious community there ever is and ever will be. The family of God. Right? Um, and this thing where we get together, even if you do all the right things, all the right works... And we judge other people according to, and then we begin to exclude them. But the gospel builds a family and a community that you do not exclude on the basis of works. This is incredible. Every community is built on the basis of works, and because it's based on the basis of works, it is got pride in it. And by our pride, I'm better than this guy, we exclude. You're not a good enough baseball player. Just kick you out of here. Um, family members have been kicked out in our ethnicities. Oh, this guy's not a good enough Chinese person. They start to condemn him and then kick him out. But the gospel forms a new kind of community, a community not based upon works. Therefore, it takes away the pride. In fact, actually, you come with your failure. <laughs> you join the community because you recognize your works aren't good enough. You come with failure. And so you know how you enter this community? By believing. By faith. A righteousness which comes by believing that Jesus was the only person who did the work to build this community. And if we will believe in this, then we can be included in this community. And then it gets really strange. It goes, but come on, Pastor. We, know you, we, we all know that you want works done too. I know, but here's how this works. In the church, first, the way you belong is by believing. And then you know how you belong? Even more? From faith? For faith, you believe even more. You do... You, drop, you begin to drop more and more pride at the door. And you offer people to a person who's failing, you offer them more grace and mercy. 
because of the person who started the family, Jesus, when you and I were, you showed up failing, you know what he offered us? By his blood, by the cross, he offered us grace and mercy. He offered his work in our place. So then you know what we do? For other people, when they fail, we offer our work for them, which is a piece of love. That's how the community gets built. But we don't build it by our works. We build it because we believe the one who did this for us. So it's really odd. You ever been around people who are like desperately poor and hungry and then they get invited to a meal that they were offered by love and hospitality? It's amazing. You invite them to that meal, you know what they immediately want to start doing? They immediately want to start contributing to the blessedness of others. It's really weird. I've seen it happen again and again. Nobody asked them to do it. Nobody made them do it. They start getting up and start cleaning the table. (laughs) And that's what happens when people really believe in the gospel and belong to the family of God. That's why we do it by grace here all the time. We do it by faith. And so, um, we need this, the world needs this community. Uh, It's so... Our society has gotten so selfish and so blind. Um, I think they'll just welcome us. Even if they don't want to hear the Jesus part, we start treating them like beloved members of our community. They'll start going, what is this? This is strange. You're strange, but wonderfully strange. And they'll realize it's because Jesus invited us into his community, his family. And so we'll be we want to offer this to you as well. Let's pray. Go to the table of the Lord. Father, we're so bad at this. Um, how you must grieve as you look into the world. And you offer us the most wonderful community there ever is, your church, your family. And even then, the churches treat it more like religious peddling too many times. And, and then we treat it like it's a belonging for, for religion performers when it's really a belonging for failures who've been made sons and daughters of God by grace. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel is this incredible message, Lord, that you invite us to, if we would believe it, you would give us your power to make us like this. What an incredible thing. And we thank you. Please forgive us. Please have mercy on us. Please change us. And we pray that you would begin to invite more and more people some who are Chinese and some who are Vietnamese and some who are black and some who are white so that it would go movement from community to community to form your most heavenly community, the church. As we go to your table now, I pray that we would have a step of repentance for our pride. And we need you. We can't even do this because we're constantly believing the lie. And I pray that your spirit would come into us and turn off the repeat CD, the CD stuck on the lie, 
and we would put the repeat CD of the gospel so that we would re-bask in you, Jesus, and this community could be as you intended it to be, as you made us to be. Praise in Jesus' name.